And uh, so now we're gonna see what we can do with our Advent candles. <laughs> Let's just see. Lower your expectations. Ah! <laughs> 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 for mine extra. Ah. So I will light the Christ candle with that, with the match, knowing that as we light the Christ candle, what we represent here with this white candle is not a person, but the awakening of the light within us. And we accept that light being born anew this day. And we say thank you that the Christ in me is awake now. I will light the conduit here. I'm going to light the first candle of Advent. And Advent for us in unity is but a symbol. And there are four Sundays in Advent, three purple candles and one pink. And this first candle, this first purple candle, represents hope. The second one represents peace. The, th the third one represents joy, believe it or not. The pink one does, and the final purple one represents love. And so today, I light the first candle of Advent, which means coming forth. And I light the candle of hope. And there we go. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> When I have the, <laughs> I build the the Advent wreath and what have you on good soil, <laughs> a firm foundation. But it's still kind of wonderful that we come together to do these rituals together. One other thing I wanted to elaborate on, or the point that Maria made about wishing is that we all have the power within us to bring about our wishes, whether they are something we want or something we don't actually want. The power within us. And the wish, positive or negative, still is a divine idea. It still comes from God. Because God is all, so you can't have God and. I can't have, these wishes are not godlike, and these wishes are not. It's just that these wishes bring about a witnessing of the power that I want to experience. And these wishes can bring about more confusion in the manifestation of these wishes, of the focusing on these <coughs> other wishes. They can bring about the, the forgetting of our Christ consciousness, our Christ awakening. And so... What Maria is talking about today is the stuff we want to manifest, what we want to see in our lives, and that there is power within us to manifest them. See, the uh, problem is too many people pray, and they pray to God, and what they're really doing is wishing. They're wishing for something, rather than taking the prayer time as a connection time. 
If more of us used our praying time as the opportunity to be focused and connected with our source, to focus and connect it as a divine being. I, talked to, I believe I talked about this last week, that prayer, uh, Charles Fillmore, Unity's co-founder, defined prayer as conscious communion with God, or G-O-D. Conscious communion. Well, that's not, the communion is not, oh, please. And the other half of the communion is, I'll try to get around to it. God's nature is yes. Hence, the confused nature on earth. We've gotten yes to so many things. And, and, and because we're human, we're a mess. And someone said, well, how could God let that happen? And I thought there's a story about the Holocaust, a husband and wife who both survived, and the husband was furious and just said, how could God let this happen? And the wife said, how could man let this happen? If man loved God, this mess wouldn't happen. This confusion wouldn't happen. There's an order to everything. But it's not because man is stupid. It's because man forgot. And man continues to forget. For many of us, God is but a, a, a personal shopper. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give gimme, gimme. Oh, please, God, give me, give me, give me. Oh, I forgot to say, oh, please, God. You know, and that's why I didn't get it the first time. <laughs> oh, come on, God. So finally, God's last name becomes, damn it. <laughs> you know, and because there's such frustration around it all. And so many of us forget, or it doesn't even occur to us to say, am I willing to realign my thinking, realign my being, to align with what I know to be God? Am I aligning with light? Am I aligning with love and joy and peace and intelligence and wisdom? Am I? Or do I just want to be comfortable? And I'm not criticizing any of us. I had many a days where I didn't think of anything but my own comfort and wondered why I could not get comfortable. So come on. I put my feet up, why aren't I comfortable? Oh no, I don't want to talk about that stuff. That stuff's ugly. Now some stuff, it's better that we don't talk about. Because it's not based in reality. It's based in a temporary demonstration based in temporary thoughts. It is always better if we talk about reality. What is reality? It's that which will not change. Imagine if you had a dinner party and everyone just talked about love. That'd be a very short conversation, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, I don't want more to say about that. <laughs> but let me tell you about my mother. <laughs> let me tell you about the neighbor. I can talk a lot about that. <laughs> let me tell you how awful I am. Oh. Yeah. I know people that could win contests <laughs> for talking about how awful they are. And I want to let those people win the contest. I, I mean, somebody said that to me once. I, it was here. It was here. She was talking to somebody else, not a person go here anymore. But they were having a conversation about their childhood. And one of them realized, 
oh my goodness, we're competing for who had the worst childhood, and I decided to let her win. <laughs> I didn't want to have the worst child, be the one who had the worst childhood. Yes. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> so, let's look at something here. I wrote, I've copied it because it's easier. This is the first Sunday of Advent, a time in which we light the candle of faith or hope in our churches and in our hearts. Eric Butterworth said this about love. Can you read it? <laughs> then I'll read it. God is centered in you. God is centered in you always. The question is, what is your consciousness centered in? If your thought is centered in materiality, if it's centered in difficulties, if it's centered in the news of the day, it's centered in the idea, oh my, everything happens to me. And this is going to frustrate the whole flow. God is centered in you. The kingdom of all potentiality is already within you. Do you hear that? The kingdom of all potentiality is already in me. Let's say that together. The kingdom of all potentiality is already in me. It was already within me. I couldn't remember. Positive faith is the key to the kingdom. You don't need to become something different in order to release your imprisoned splendor. I like that. You don't need to become something different in order to release your imprisoned splendor. There have been so many people over the years, especially in churches like Unity, well, I don't sing, so who am I in this church? I'm not doing a show. Who am I here? I'm not this. I'm not that. And it's like, no, but you're you. You are you. When I wanted to become a minister, I thought, how is that ever going to happen? I saw I was in Eric Butterworth's church. Eric Butterworth was an icon in the unity movement. Uh, Paul Tanaya was the co-minister there, and he, Paul was funny, and he, he knew this unity stuff, and I so enjoyed him, and I thought, well, how am I ever going to do that? And then I saw Edwin Gaines, and I thought, oh, dear Lord, how can I ever be that? And I heard a wonderful voice inside me that said, Sean, we've already got an Eric Butterworth, a Paul Tanaya, and an Edwin Gaines. We need a you. We need a Sean. You're not supposed to be those people. You're supposed to be you. And my, my confidence was restored. You know, I still had to learn how to do stuff because even with confidence, it can, it's not in the muscles yet. It's like the first time I was to lead uh, the, the offering prayer, that's what you call it. It was like spelling Mississippi. Divine love flowing through me, blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, all that I receive, all that I am, all that I was, all that I... I, I just wanted to go on and on and on. I, I couldn't get to the end. And I was so embarrassed that the next week I had no cards. Because I thought everybody was looking at me. And I was afraid that people were looking at me so that I could fail and they could watch it. Mm. And after the week with the note cards, I said, that's ridiculous. I'm in a unity church. Everybody's here for me to succeed. Because if I succeed, I'm an example that they can succeed. And so, for me, success was getting through the offering prayer. <clears throat> and even greater success is on the times I didn't. It was okay. It was okay. We could all laugh together. When I would refer to the 12 powers as the 12 steps, when I would do things, I did lots of that. I remember the first time I did that, and they'll go, 
I said, please, five of you don't know what I'm talking about. It's <laughs> <laughs> unity. And, uh, and so to be kind, be generous with oneself, and then spread that generosity around and realize, oh, I'm being kind to myself today. There's no such thing as perfection. There is being. There is being. I am loved eternally by a God that cannot not love me. God does not have the ability to not love because God is love itself. And that was a big relief for me. I, th I think I told you my talk is called Great Expectations. Because I work to expect the best of today. I think that's true humility, is expecting God's best. That, to me, is having a humble day. And so if things didn't turn out the way that I was hoping for, did they still turn out as God's best? You know, if you burnt the turkey, if you did this, if you did that, whatever it is, if you fell down, if, if you knocked over something, if, if you forgot to be polite to someone, if you forgot to be happy, if you forgot to smile at the grocery store clerk, if you forgot to be forgiving to the grocery store clerk who did not smile at you, if you forgot, then I'd steal God's best. And let me tell you why. You'd manifested in the only way that you could according to your current consciousness. It's not that it was the way it was supposed to be. It's that it was the only way it could be according to your consciousness right now. And right now you have the opportunity to shift that consciousness, to align with the Christ mind within. Now, when I hear people say, oh, your mother did the best she could, your parents did the best they could, I don't like that. It really grinds me. It, it, uh, I'd rather have my mother did what she could do according to her consciousness at the time. And I reacted according to my consciousness at the time. And when I woke up to a new consciousness, things changed. And I offered my mother a new chance. Because I went to her and I hugged her. And I told her I loved her. And I said, I want to be a family. Do you? And it would have been okay if she had said no. It really would have. And I might have left. I might have uh, left the family. If, the, if they didn't want what I had to offer in terms of that, I could have left without being mad at them. But if I didn't offer love, and I left saying, oh, they don't want it anyway, then it's, then it's me and it's my consciousness. But it was still would have been according to my consciousness at the time. I'm so glad to say my family wanted it. They forgot how to have it. And my mother, the last five years of her life, was a great mother to me. And my brothers became terrific brothers to me. And I became a good brother to them. And that's, that's how it works. And I've, I've learned how to be a better friend over the years. Because I came into unity, promised things. I came into 12 Steps, promised things. And I thought, okay, I had great expectations on how they would manifest. 
And I had great expectations on how I might feel. And then I had to let go of all of those expectations. Because if I would have been setting up everybody up for disappointment and failure. If I expected you, or you, or you, or you, to behave in a certain way because I offered you the goodness of my heart, I didn't really offer you the goodness of my heart. I offered you conditions. I didn't want that, but I had great expectations of possibility, of divine possibility. And I just kept studying God. Instead of studying people, instead of studying myself, although I kept observing myself because I'm self-conscious enough to do that, I kept looking, okay, God, show me how. I'm willing, now tell me more about God. Tell me about more about what's in God, what's as God, what's through God. Because they're telling me my life will be easier if I know more about God than I do about the earth. I will know more about how to live and live well if I continue to study God. And so I read every book that I could find or that was recommended. I read all the Unity books. And I read a lot of the, the, the New Thought books. I didn't read all the New Age books that came out. That didn't interest me. I didn't need the fads. I didn't need all that. I needed the foundation books. And anybody who's read Charles Fillmore knows how hard it can be to read Charles Fillmore, especially if, if we, at the beginning. But I know something else. I could now teach any Charles Fillmore book from any page in any of the books. We could open it up and I could explain it. And some of the explanation would be I have no idea what he was talking about there because it makes no sense whatsoever on that page. Somebody translated this from a lecture and it's not accurate for, to what he would have said. But I can do that now. There was a time I would have thought, I'm just too stupid to understand what he wrote. Oh, I'm too ignorant. I'm not spiritual enough because I can't understand Charles Fillmore Till I found out one day Charles Fillmore was not a person was not perfect. Charles Fillmore gave lectures just like this. And then people copied them down and translated them later into book form. Most of his books, he didn't sit down and write a book. And, and, and that's how it worked. The other day, I'm teaching how to let God help you. No, I'm not. Teaching Meryl Fillmore's Healing Letters mm. at Unity of New York. Tuesday mornings. Anybody's welcome to join. And all I do is I read a chapter and we talk about it. And the, that book was put together by Francis Folks, who wrote the book Effectual Prayer. And I used to like that book, Effectual Prayer, until I taught it again recently. And I thought, I don't like what she has to say anymore. It, it does, and then I discovered she put this book together from Myrtle's writings, from Myrtle's letters. And the chapter we read this past week, I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, oh, am I tired? And what's going on here? I don't know what the heck she's saying here. And, and at one point, I said, any questions, any th thoughts? And one person said, yeah, what is she saying here? I don't get it. And I thought, oh, it's not me. It's poorly put together. It's put together in some intellectual form. That one chapter, because all the others have been great for us. And then this one's like, I don't know what she's saying. And I'm not sure she knew, but it got published. 
And we moved on, and we, had a we ended up having a great class and a great discussion class on how to rethink everything, how to rethink it all. So I go into every class with great expectations, but having no idea how they are going to turn out, having no idea what we're going to discuss. That's up to spirit. My job is to show up in willingness, prepared emotionally, prayerfully, but in willingness to know that there is a message here for us all. And it's going to be revealed. And I can't wait to see how. Imagine starting your day. Today is a day. There's a great message that is going to be revealed today. And I can't wait to see what it is and how it gets revealed. However, I must start my day with prayer. I must start my day prepared for that message. And that I may be open and receptive and excited. <coughs> Kenneth's saying, coming through. I'm coming through. I'm coming through the darkness and into the light. I'm coming through confusion and into the light. I'm coming through doubt and into the light. I'm coming through. I'm coming all the way through that stuff I have used to hold me back. I, and I, my ego truly wishes... I could blame a lot of people. And I've tried. Has blaming others, your parents, your grandparents, your neighbors, your politicians, has blaming all these people for what's wrong with your life giving you peace? It doesn't even make you right anymore. It's not satisfying. It's just trying to make logic out of where there is no logic because there's no truth in any of it. It's just a battle for, uh, I, need, I, I need something because I feel this in my gut and I don't like how I feel in my gut and I want to feel differently and I wish that hadn't happened because now I have to feel this way. I didn't want to feel this way. So I'm so grateful I didn't care about the heat today. Because a few years ago, I remember once on Christmas Day, that we had 100 people coming for dinner on Christmas Day, we had no heat. The hot water. And uh, I was like, oh, what are we going to do, David? What are we going to do? So I thought if I could at least give him my upset, then I won't have it anymore. <laughs> uh, and we called people and they got it fixed. And that's what I have learned so far. Every time we've made a phone call for the heat to get fixed, it gets fixed. Funny that. Funny that. Every time I thought I had no money, suddenly I had money. Every time I thought somebody was mad at me, I found a way to work through it. Every time. There's no cause for upset anymore. There's no cause for hatred anymore. There's no cause. Unless I tell myself there is, and then I'll go with that. And that's the insanity that is us. Just a little bit more here. So, metaphysical meaning of expectation. Expectation, anticipation of divine good. Looking about for the wondrous benefits God has prepared for us. In every person is that which causes him or her always to hope for and expect that which is good and true. This very expectation helps the good to become active. So we're here, end of November, almost the beginning of December, but it is... 
the time of Advent, time of coming through, time of awakening. We take this time each year to take this month to contemplate the Christ awakened in me. It makes it a fantastic time. We use this time of year to find more ways to praise rather than criticize. You know what? If so many people want to consider this time of year a time for materiality and glitzy lights, if stores want to decorate on Labor Day for Christmas, let them. What do I care if they do? What do I care that they have the Christmas decorations out before Thanksgiving? What do I care, really? What if children are screaming in the stores because they don't know what to do with themselves? There's so much stuff. What if, what if, what if? Am I screaming in the stores because I don't know what to do with myself? Am I? No, let's use this time of year to become aware of love, to become aware of divine intelligence within us, to become aware of community and sharing. Let's ask people to lunch, to dinner. Let's call people up on the phone and say, I haven't thought of you in a while, and I thought of you today. So today's a good day. Today's a good day for you and I to connect. Now is a wonderful time. So let's take this next month to contemplate all the good we're aware of and invite awareness of all the good we are not yet aware of and use everything to awaken to the Christ within us. Is that okay with you guys? Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it too.